right, we are back again for Walk the Line here at Impact Sports at Michigan State University. My name is Dan Cryer, and today I'll be talking about NCAA Football Week 2 with Brooks Lambeer and NFL Week 1 with Ryan Smith. So here we go. All right, with me right now is Brooks Lambeer, and it's time to talk college football spread. So Brooks, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Dan. How about you? Dude, really good. It's been a good week. It's been a good past few days to bask in the victory that Michigan State had against Jacksonville State last Friday. Uh, it was a great performance from Michigan State on both sides of the ball. They did cover the spread. They covered my hypothetical spread. A real spread came out of 34 points. They covered that too. They won 45-7. to So uh, give me your thoughts. What would you think watching that game? I think they did what they needed to do. Coming out on the first two drives, like I said, they needed to score. They did. They needed to prove a point because in the past they've struggled in, the, in their opening and second games with scoring early. And, you know, they showed that, hey, we're not afraid to throw the ball. We're not afraid to run the ball. And I don't think they really showed Oregon too much of really what they did. It was no. seemed pretty simple for what Michigan State was doing. It, it, was, it, it was like, here we come, a couple runs, and then Cook hit Lippett for, it was like a 67, I think, yard touchdown. He took a, a cheap shot to the leg. He was tough. He got up. Thank God it didn't injure his knee or something like that. And uh, then Jacksonville State kind of sent us a corner blitz and the safety blitz at the same time. It let Lippitt get wide open. Cook hit him. I think it was a 73-yard touchdown. When all was said and done, Cook played one half of football. He was 12 for 13 for 285 yards. Lippitt had four catches for 167 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Hill got in there, ran a couple touchdowns in. Like you said, we didn't show our hand too much to Oregon. I mean, it was just the defense looks solid. Drummond looks great there and, and it, as, as the leader of the defense this season. So all in all, I think it was just a huge success. Would you agree? Yeah, it was it was a huge success. And, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's something they needed to do. And that's how they needed to start. Yep. So let's get into then this week for NCAA College Football Week 2. These uh, the games we're talking about are all going to be on Saturday, September sixth, and the big one. And I would say, you know, on paper, it's the biggest game of the season. You know, obviously, Michigan State's going to have to host Michigan Wolverines and play Ohio State, and there's some road games there that, that in the Big Ten. But this is the game that everybody's been circling. I would call it the best non-conference matchup of the entire 2014 college football season. And as the rankings, which came out in the coaches' poll, Michigan State's ranked sixth. In the AP poll, they're ranked seventh. Yeah. But as far as point spreads go. Oregon opened up at 13 points, and it net, now they sit as minus 12. So Michigan State's going in as 12-point underdogs. The over-under is 56-and-a-half. And before I give predictions, I will say the direct comparison here, and it's, it helps that Michigan State defeated Stanford in the Rose Bowl, but the kryptonite, as, as people will say, to Oregon's Superman offense has been Stanford. The last two seasons, Stanford has won 26-20, and 17-14 against Oregon. Now, if anybody saw Oregon last week, they played South Dakota. I think they won 62-10. to They get up and down. Mariota does what he wants. They just they can throw bubble screens and run for 90 yards. So Stanford's been able to play smash-mouth football with them, keep the scores lower, and Stanford is a team, just like we saw in the Rose Bowl, like Michigan State, likes it, you know, hard-knuckled, almost a pro-looking offense and defense. And uh, that's what Michigan State's going to be bringing up to Eugene, Oregon. So uh, initially, why don't you give me your thoughts on this matchup? Gosh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because can you contain Mariota, who not only is a good passer in, own right, in his own right, with yeah. a very strong arm. I mean, last week he was 14 for 20, 267 yards, 70% completion. So you have to stop 
the passing game. Sure. Which is very difficult when they spread you out and you have fast players. Yeah, fast. Very fast. And obviously all summer, you know, I probably assume that a lot of running for the defense and just 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 a lot of cardio so you know to prep yourself for the fast-paced offense you're gonna have against Oregon with the no huddle um and then you know you, you look at Michigan State with Connor Cook who looked better in the Jacksonville State game very confident very confident but my question is is he gonna throw the ball is he gonna lob, lob the ball is you uh-huh. know are you gonna move him in the pocket um, is you know he can stand in the pocket, but are you going to use his mobility as um to kind of I don't want to say do exactly what Oregon does, but yeah. you know if you roll him out, you open up space. I think we need to play action. We need to establish some runs for Langford, and then use that to play action out of. I mean, that's what a pro yeah. team would do. You know, get a couple five six yard runs, yeah. get some first downs early, and then you can use that draw the linebackers in with the play action, and then hit Lipid. And, I mean, we have a slew of, of receivers now at Cook's disposal. I mean, this is nice to have these guys. So. We do. And, you know, it's like it's like when U of M was good at football. What did they do? They ran the ball, third down and five or long, or second down and whatever, play action. I remember those days play. when Michigan used to be good at football. Yeah. <laughs> and all right. Yeah. Well, so before I – because I want you to pick first – because uh, I got a bombshell for you on my pick. But uh, it's, isn't it shocking after Michigan State wins the Rose Bowl, returns more or less the same team? I mean, yes, Dark West Denard's not here, and there's a couple other defenders not here. To be double-digit double digit underdogs in any game, I mean, yes, people will say Oregon's probably one, one of the hardest, if not the hardest. I mean, I can think of some SEC places you don't want to play. But as far as Pac-12 especially, this is one of the hardest places to play. But still, we're talking an almost two touchdown favorite for Oregon. I mean, I don't, I don't look at it as 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 people discounting what Michigan State can do more than they say this is how great Oregon is at home, because I mean, in the past seasons they've demolished teams like Tennessee. You know, they put sixty seven points. Michigan State's not Tennessee. This is a defense that's one of the best coached in the nation, thanks to Narduzzi and the the team overall because of D'Antonio is one of the best coaches. So, are are you kind of just shocked at the at the line? Because I was, I was mentioning this last week. I was expecting about 12 and a half, so here's where we are. I mean... I'm not surprised. It's just weird. I'm not surprised because the Big Ten, for much of their sports, don't get a lot of respect from other conferences. Yeah. You know, it's the same way for me covering men's soccer. Yeah. You're going to... If you're an ACC or Pac-12 team, you're it's they look a lot sexier. They have, they have better players and, like, you know, like right. SEC power and, and just all five-star players. Pac-12 at Oregon... Yeah, uh, four five, four six guys. You know, four four guys. Yeah, and, and we we spread the field, and you know, Stanford's the oddball out there. And, yeah, you know, it, it's just it's it's just we don't look sexy, and I feel like there's nothing really appealing to our team. We're just a hard nosed Michigan State's just a hard nosed team that well, goes at we're you. We're a throwback. We're like you said, Stanford's different than most packed. You know, Pac twelve teams. I think of Arizona now gets up and down with Rich Rod, but uh, you USC's know, Stan- a little pro style. Yeah, but. USC's pro style, but they like to just you know run and gun and get get that score up high. Stanford likes to control the ball, and then Michigan State is the class of the Big Ten. I mean, they went undefeated in conference last year, went to the Rose Bowl as underdogs, won the Rose Bowl, so you're welcome, Big Ten, for a little respect. And Michigan State looks great. Yes, it's Jacksonville State. But just looking at the players, look at the strength and the size that they have, I mean, it just looks like we are a tough team. So Oregon, I mean, it's 
we will see it on the field. But Oregon hasn't won a Rose Bowl since they defeated uh, uh, Wisconsin a few years ago. And that's, I mean, they're always great. And they went to the national championship game when Chip Kelly was their coach, and they lost to Cam Newton in Auburn. So they did do that. But, you know, the last couple of years, Stanford's dominated them, and Stanford's looked like the class. And so I look at Michigan State and say, we are a Stanford-type team. So initially, I'm just saying, this 12 points is way too much. It's just way too much. So I think Michigan State's going to cover that. So why don't you go ahead and give me a score? The over-under is 56.5. That's kind of looking at a game 35-23, kind of in that zone, 36-24 if, if you want to go. That's what they're looking at if you want to add it all together, 37-24 yeah. if Oregon covers and it goes over. So, I mean, I'm just trying to, like, you know, do the math here and figure out a way for – for what people are thinking is going to happen here. What do you think? It's it's so tough to tell because are we going to see the consistent Michigan State team where, hey, we're like of the past year, year and a half, where we're going to come out and play and we're going to come out and compete with you? Or are we going to see the Michigan State of old where we have good games, but then we just kind of crap the brick, uh, you know, three, four game, you know, right. in sometime in the season. So... If Oregon gets out to a, a like two touchdown lead, yes, it's it's, it's gonna be bad. That's bad. It's gonna and if it's in the first, if it's halfway through That's the first bad. quarter, it's gonna the, be very. bad. The ten nothing in the Rose Bowl was scary enough, but a fourteen nothing would be insurmountable. I think. Yeah. Um. So I think I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say they're not gonna cover the fifty six and a half. I'm gonna say. It's, well, you don't think the game's gonna go over fifty? It's not gonna go over fifty six. Okay, and a half. so you like the under? I like the under on that. Okay, and do you, what do you think? Does Michigan State have a chance to win the game, or are they just gonna keep it close and lose? What do you think? I think they lose okay. by by ten. Okay, what do you think for the score then? I'm gonna go twenty one. All right, I think and I got you. And I'll go thirty one. Thirty one twenty one. Yeah. So you got it. Keep it under. You have us losing by ten to Oregon. Yeah. All right. Now, I've thought about this beforehand, and the sad part is is that I'm here on Walk the Line. I have to speak my heart, and as we saw last week, I tend to be wrong a lot. So I hope I'm right. I really do, but I'm going to just go with what I think, and I hope this isn't the kiss of death because I do think that Michigan State has what it takes. Now, I'm not going to go and say, Michigan State's going to do what I think they're going to do and then waltz through the rest of the season because what happens, like I said earlier, is a team does well early and then the pressure mounts and then the pressure starts to tighten like a noose and then the next thing you know, Michigan State stumbles in a game where they have and people are looking at the Maryland game down the line. I'm worried about the at Penn State game on November 29th. But for September 6th, week two, I don't think Oregon's ready for what they're about to see to the point where I don't think the crowd is going to give us any respect. I don't think the other I don't think Oregon players know what they got coming in there. But this is a well-coached defense. They're going to press them. They're going to hit Mariota harder than he's ever been hit. They're they're going to knock him around. It's it's not going to be a complete it's not going to be 45 nothing, but boy, I think Michigan State's going to go in there and get the victory. And I think they're going to win by double digits. That's a crazy crazy thing to say. But I like Michigan State, and that's this has nothing to do with my affiliation with Michigan State. Because like I said, the last thing I want to do is jinx them. But in my heart, I really don't think Oregon is ready for a tough team. And Michigan State looks big, strong, and tough. So I do think it goes over, and I think it's going to be a lot like last year's game at Nebraska, where Michigan State 
dominated as the game progressed and got stronger. So I'm going to say that Michigan State goes in there and kind of kicks their butt. And I, I'm going to say that they're kicking the butt so bad that their fans are going to start leaving in the third quarter, maybe t- start of the fourth quarter. So Oregon's going to get a junk touchdown when they're down 38-14, go for two and make it. Michigan State's going to win 38-22 and jump up into the top four. And then we're going to see Michigan State holding on to that for a while and maybe for dear life. But uh, that's my bombshell. I'm going to go MSU 38-22. And, uh, that's a bold pick. It is. And I'm going to be at the game. I'm traveling with Ryan Smith there to the game. And I'm going to have my green on and, uh, you know, going to be saying go green. Your dark green, not your light green. Nope. Got my, my, my dark green. Ryan's got his student section white shirt on and we are going to, we're going to rock it. So I, you know, I like the game to go over because Michigan State can throw. I think we're just going to surprise them and we're going to show the nation that there, this no fluke going on. This is a changed Michigan State team. So that's my thing. I mean, does that sound like, do I sound like a lunatic to you, Brooks? Um, I, I, <laughs> It's okay. I, you I wouldn't. Can say yes. I wouldn't pick a. I wouldn't pick a blowout. I pick a close. I pick a close win for Michigan State. But All right. I, it's just a speed. It's like. I hear you. Because everyone gets so tired playing against a high tempo offense. I hear you. You know it. I mean, unless you do what Stanford did, you close them out. You you do a couple four and outs the first couple drives and force some punts. Yeah. You know that's what you need to do, and uh, it's just so hard to see that. All right. Well, I got it on record. The buttons I'm checking, I said, yep, I recorded it. So I said it. Maybe I'll be eating my words a week from now. But uh, I'm looking forward to a very shocking game. And, you know, Oregon will play here in East Lansing next year. And I think it's going to be where Oregon wants to return the favor, not where Michigan State wants to finally get them next year. So we'll see. All right, so. We got a couple good games to talk about. I'd like to get through these kind of quickly this week. So, because, you know, like I said, we don't have very much sampling. We have one week's work to go on. That's not enough to really get a full sample. But the first one that we have, we have Michigan going into Notre Dame. So they're playing in South Bend. Notre Dame's minus four. The over-under is 56. Michigan trounced Appalachian State last week. Notre Dame has uh, Everett Golson back. He looked great against Rice. We, uh, he threw some nice Brooks and I were watching. He threw some good bombs. One of them was dropped, but he looks oh, great. Gosh. So Notre nice. Dame looks really good. Michigan, they they throttled Appalachian State. Uh, over under 56. And this is, now Brooks, you're saying this is the last time they're going to be playing for a while? This will be the last time, I, I don't know how in how many years they'll be playing, but th- this game means something to both teams. Some it, it, Even if they... They meet the next four years and they never meet again. It does. Th- th- this means this means the world. This means the world to both fans. Definitely. So I'm gonna go first if you don't mind on this one because yeah. yes, Michigan impressed against a very lesser opponent. Doesn't seem like that was uh, Appalachian State from days of past of yore. But Notre Dame looks good and I'm, they're great. They have a quarterback now that can lead them and. What I'm seeing since Brooks says it's a rivalry game. This has always been a rivalry game. So this is going to be a close game. But so by that, I think it's going to stay under the 56. So I think we're going to be playing a game in the 20s. All right. So, you know, I don't think either team gets to 30 in this game. So we're going to have some back and forth. Four is interesting because you're saying, well, it's more than a field goal. But I definitely think that in the back and forth. And in fact, I mean, if I had to, and I don't want to pick, I would say that Notre Dame's going to win by four, you know, 28-24, something like that. But I don't want to pick a push. I think that's a little weak. So I think that Notre Dame is going to cover the four. 
just because of that. It's a perfect spread, to be honest. It's just a perfect spread. So I'm expecting Notre Dame to win a lower scoring game just for the just for the fact of the minus four. I'm trying to think like what's a good you know, it's 28-23 is the best I can say. But uh, I'll go 27-21 Notre Dame in this one. So it stays under and Notre Dame covers. Okay. So what do you got? I'm going to – I have to agree because Michigan, Michigan's offense, is it, like, who do they have? Like, De- they have Devin Funches, but that's your only player. And he's tall and big. And yeah. Gardner just can't hold on to the ball and he fumbles all the time. Yep. And – Shane Morris is just as inexperienced. I mean, he he did play in the bowl game against Kansas State, but the kid only has a good arm. He he hasn't proven much of anything else, really. In your running game, so-so. Derek Green has gotten better. He's gotten in shape, and he's gotten, you know, in college football shape. Yeah. Man, it, I just... It, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you where it, it this isn't going to hit 30. Okay. It's not. Okay. But I think it's going to be a little lower than what you predicted. All right. So what do you think? I'm thinking. I'm thinking Notre Dame twenty-one. Okay. Michigan fourteen. Twenty-one fourteen. So you have them covering and staying under. Yes. So we agree on this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game to follow because I mean, this is a historic matchup, and both of these teams want to kind of emerge. They had down seasons last year for different reasons, uh, but Notre Dame, I think, can feel confident now that they have Golson there to lead them. You know, he's a confident guy. He obviously has skill based on the performance against Rice, and uh, Michigan wants to. To, you know they're basically trying to say Brady Hoke's job here, so they have a lot of motivation to play. So I think whoever uh, comes out with the victory in this game is really going to look to. They're going to have a better season than they could have expected. You know, look to get eight nine wins maybe. So it's it's just a good matchup from a fan standpoint. All right, let's go out west. Let's go out west. Here's another good matchup. Uh, it's the USC Trojans. They are going up to Palo Alto to play Stanford, and Stanford's favored by three. So Stanford minus three. Over under is fifty four and a half. And the thing I'll say about Stanford is they were up, like I was comparing them to Michigan State Spartans, since we are now linked thanks to our victory in the Rose Bowl. Stanford was up 38 nothing at halftime. I, I forgot who they were playing, um, but Stanford was whooping the team. They, I think they won 45 to nothing. So Stanford didn't have a huge test. USC absolutely blitzed Fresno State. Fresno State didn't sta- stand a chance. USC was up in the 50s. They covered easily. They had a 20-point spread. They covered easily. So Steve Sarkeesian era began magnificently for USC. This is a historic matchup. You know, when you look back to the days of John Harbaugh, you know, upsetting Pete Carroll and stuff like that. And it's one of these matchups where the winner of this game is going to come out with some with some strength in the Pac-12. So I'm going to let you pick first on this one. Over-unders 54.5, Stanford. Smash Mouth football, as we talked earlier, three-point favorites at home. So it's kind of, you know, that's your na- your natural three for a home team. You know, Stanford beat UC Davis last last week, by the way, 45-0. Just to okay, that, that makes sense. Right. UC Davis, okay. Yep. I Man, because bo- like you said, both of these are pro-style teams, but Stanford uses the tight end set a lot, where USC, you have the athletic wide receivers. But can Cody Kessler repeat what he did? That's the question. He he struggled last year, very very much. He struggled. You know, he's twenty five for thirty seven, three hundred ninety four yards, a sixty seven point six completion percentage mm-hmm. against against Fresno State. Yeah, I just don't think he can do that again, especially against a good Stanford, Stanford defense. Yeah, and I I think 
I'm gonna. I'm, I, yeah, shoot, I, shoot it's gonna be here, more huh? than the three. Okay. It's it's gonna be more. All right. And what's and what's the um, fifty four and a half? Fifty four and a half. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Stanford gets thirty one, and I think USC gets twenty one. Thirty one twenty one. That's yeah. your favorite score today. Yeah. Okay, good. I know, right? I That's all right. Again. That's okay. Uh, hey, so you're you're keeping it under. You're keeping it under, but Stanford covers because they're both good defensive teams. Yeah. But the question is, well, uh, well, obviously, as I stated, USC doesn't have they, their offense is still they're figuring each, themselves out after all the scholarship stuff, and we know Stanford has Kevin Hogan coming back. I mean, and he has his tight ends, so. You know they can put they've shown they can put points on the board and they right. can stop people. Well, I agree with you with Stanford minus three. I did like what I saw from USC's offense, so I think it's going to go over. I just have a feeling, but Stanford I think can can adjust. I think they're of a great team. I, I would expect them to smash their way back. You know to the to the top of their division. I think that they're going to give Oregon a run for their money again. So this is where it begins for Stanford. They establish themselves as they're like we we have we own the Pac-12. This is ours. So. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think they're going to cover. I have a, a Stanford winning 35-31, and they're going to just show we're a good team. And it's not that doesn't mean USC is not a good team because I think that they're better. Like you mentioned, Kessler, he's playing, and he has his receivers. But uh, I just don't think that they have enough to beat Stanford in Palo Alto. Yeah. So it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, isn't that true about every USC quarterback? I mean, besides yeah, probably besides maybe going back to Carson Palmer, who had a good NFL career, I mean, Sanchez, Leinart, uh, Mike Barkley, you know, these guys had talent around them, but, you know, it, if you just look at, you know, it, it, you, you can tell how much talent really helps out a quarterback when it's around you. And yep. you could tell, like, a Stanford, when you have Kevin Hogan, who's a very good player, and he doesn't have as much talent around him, how he makes things happen. Yep. All right, Brooks. So I'm looking at the time where we've been. We were yapping pretty long about Michigan State. I'd like to kind of just throw in some lightning round. I mean, right. like you know, we've we've seen teams. Uh, I'm just going to give you some, and uh, I want you to just hit me with some scores here. We saw Virginia Tech last week. They played William and Mary. I think they won 34-9. Ohio State, no Braxton Miller, but uh, backup quarterback looked good. Their defense scored a very uh, needed touchdown when Navy was driving, and that flipped the game. Ohio State actually scored a late touchdown, which made me mad because I had Navy, but uh, they covered the spread. They won by 17. Now Ohio State's minus 11 against Virginia Tech, and the over is 48. And uh, I, just the way I'm skeptically talking, I think you can tell what I'm thinking about this. So what do you, what's your? give me a quick uh, feeling on what you think about Ohio State-Virginia Tech. I think Ohio State wins the game. I don't think Virginia Tech football is the same as it has been before. Okay. Uh, so what is the— wh- what? Ohio State's giving 11 points, and it's over under 48. 48. Okay. I'm going to go Ohio State—I'm going to go Ohio State 31. Okay. And— <laughs> 21? <laughs> I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go Virginia Tech, uh, 17. Okay, so you're keeping it under. Yeah. And that's that would be very similar to the Navy game. Now, I don't think I have the guts to say Virginia Tech's going to win the game because, like you said, it's not the same Virginia Tech with the, you know, Beamer ball and everything like mm-hmm. that. But 11 points seems too much. I, I, don't, I think, honestly, Navy blew that cover. They, I, they, I don't think they had the game won, but Navy should have played better down the stretch and covered covered the points. I mean, so I think Virginia Tech's going to play tougher. 
Um, I don't think it's going to go over as, as you said. So I'm going to keep this in the 20s as well. I just I think that uh, Virginia Tech's defense can probably handle Ohio State a little better than Navy did. Uh, so I'm going to go. Uh, I've been sticking with 27s and stuff today. So I'm going to say Ohio State scores 27 and uh, Virginia Tech scores 24. So it's going to be a Ooh. close game. Yeah, I, oh, I think we'll go there. Yeah, I think we're going to have a close game there. Ohio State's going to find a way to survive for a while here. So that's a good one. Now this one, and you can chime in if you want, but Ryan Smith last year he. Also always let me do the Illini and because I'm, I'm from Champaign, Illinois and Illinois, they just, they kill me. They kill me. It's hard to watch. I'm going to, this is where I get into my, my venting stage. Illinois played Youngstown state last week and they were 13 point favorites and they just looked terrible. They were, they were down nine to seven. Then they went up 14, nine. Then they gave up a touchdown. They were down 17, 14 at home. They looked terrible. Wes Lunt finally figured it out in the fourth quarter, and he looked pretty good there at the end. He threw three touchdowns, and Illinois won 28-17. So they didn't they didn't cover, but they're this week they're they're hosting the Western Kentucky uh, Hilltoppers. Western Kentucky absolutely destroyed Bowling Green. And last week we talked about conference predictions and things. Bowling Green was picked at the top of their division in the MAC. And Western Kentucky was given respect in the Sun Belt or whatever. They were. But, you know, to win 59-30 or something like that. So uh, this is my rant. I just, there's, Illinois minus six with an over under 65. I, I cannot believe it. I don't think Illinois is going to win the game. So I, this, I screwed up last year and I said, Illinois is going to, you can bet your house that Cincinnati is going to pummel Illinois. So I'm going to say, go buy a house and bet the house that Western Kentucky covers the six. So I'm just saying WKU plus six. And don't even worry about the over under. Honestly, with the under, I'll say. But uh, I was unimpressed by Illinois, and maybe they're going to figure it out. But do, would you like to chime in on Illinois on this? Yeah. Uh, the Illini are very bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you like Western Kentucky plus six? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. That, that was very blunt, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want them to be better. I'm a fan. I My heart, you know, as a child, I grew up and I the orange and blue, I you know, I bleed one one arm orange blue. Now it's turning to green and white, and I feel a lot better about myself, to be honest. <laughs> but I just I want them to perform well. But Western Kentucky's a real team, and you know, on the schedule looks like a win. But boy, I think Western Kentucky's going to go in there and just smash them. I mean, they're good, man. I mean, they had Bobby Petrino coaching year, there before yep, before true. he moved to Louisville, which I disagree with that move. Why is that a coach there again? But that's another topic. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then you know they they were bad. Bobby Turner made them better, and you know they're only going to stick around and be a decent, you know, or to good, you know, mid conference team. Yep. So, uh, in so these, they cover. So basically, sure. we don't need to mess around with this. We, we both cool. Well, all right, that's Brooks Lambeer. I'm Dan Cryer. That's week two of NCAA. I love the discussion. I love thinking about the game. I can't wait to see what Michigan State looks like at Oregon. So cool. All right. Now I'm gonna uh, get uh, get to Ryan Smith here, and we're gonna talk NFL. So we got a nice uh, a double dip on walk the line here. It's uh, great to have Brooks here for college, and it's great to have Ryan here for NFL. So let's get uh, Ryan up in here. So with me again is my main man Ryan Smith. How's it going, Dan? How are you today? Hey, good man. I'm happy because you know football finally came back. We got a chance to sit on a couch for a long extended period of time and watch beautiful lots weekend, of football it? Yeah. and not be mad. There was when you're watching football, especially when it starts, it's there's no place you'd rather be. Yeah, we pretty much just convinced ourselves to sit on the couch all weekend and watch football. And it was nice having the Michigan State game Friday night because that really gave us a Saturday to just sit back, relax, and kind of 
see what everyone's doing across the country. Yeah, it was it was a good day, day overall. Uh, just a good day overall to have football back. And then now we're into September, which is a little scary because the summer is now, I think, officially gone. We've passed by Labor Day. And we're back in the classroom. Back I mean, that's, in the classroom. We that's the number silence. one way you know funny? school or summer's over. But the good news is that football will be here to stay for the next few months. And with that comes the beginning of the 2014 NFL season. So this Thursday, which is September 4th, uh, the NFL is doing what they have done for the last few years. They're going to uh, introduce the season, the season with uh, the reigning Super Bowl champions in a good matchup. So, uh, you know, it's there's okay matches overall this week in NFL, but I think this first one, would you say between Green Bay going into Seattle, would you say that's probably the best match of the yeah, week? Yeah, I mean, that's a potential NFC championship game. We're getting week one. Hopefully it, hopefully it lives up to the potential it's got, so... Um, I mean, I think Green Bay, they kind of restocked their defense, and Seattle's known for their defense, and a lot of people are predicting Aaron Rodgers to actually be the MVP possibly this season. So it, it'll be a good test, especially for Green Bay. We'll kind of see where they're at. I think everyone knows what Seattle's got, but um, I think I saw a stat earlier today, like the last five uh, NFL Super Bowl champions have failed to go on and win a playoff game in the following season. So that that is an interesting We'll see how they handle the success. Well, I remember specifically last year, it was the Baltimore Ravens playing Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. And I was saying, I said to myself, uh, well, Baltimore's favored. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was, it was seven or six and a half. Maybe they were on the road in Denver, but uh, I expected Baltimore to play a lot better than they did. It was just the start of a long season yeah, Peyton, for them. Yes, and Peyton Manning lit them up. So what's funny is... It's not that easy to predict what's going to happen with a team. So, and that's the t- thing that I always like to say to the people listening is, is here in football, it's so difficult to predict overall, let alone week one when we have very no sample because preseason's not an accurate sample. No, I mean, those guys play a couple drives. And funny enough, I think the two teams I'm most looking forward to watching are to see where they're at is the two teams that made the Super Bowl last year. I mean... Manning's a year older, and people still kind of question what if Seattle's for real or not. So those are going to be the two teams you know, I, I'm going to keep my eye on and see what's up. Yeah, and before I give my quick opinion and we get into this game and the line and everything, I will say that Peter King, who's the head, one of the head writers for Sports Illustrated, his prediction was Green Bay in the Super Bowl defeating the Indianapolis Colts. And I only bring that up because we're going to talk about Green Bay-Seattle here, and that, that's a debate that's going to be raging throughout the season, uh, regardless of the, the uh, you know, outcome of this one. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's back, he's healthy, and he showed at the end of last season he can get back in there at any time, and he got them that playoff spot over the Bears. So, you know, it's like these are the two teams, I think, that are maybe one and one and one A or one and two. Definitely. I mean, the Packers were good enough to make the playoffs last year without Rodgers. So, I mean, he's back in there and uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. So the good job, NFL. Yeah. Yeah, really. It is nice. It's uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of parody, but there's also a a grouping of good teams this year, you know, that that are uh, head and shoulders above. You know, I think of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Denver Broncos are up up there. So and you never know who can emerge. But uh, this opening game, like I said, it's going to be Thursday nights an NBC broadcast. It's uh, Green Bay going into Seattle. Seattle's minus six. So they're almost a a full touchdown favorite. And the over under is 46 and a half. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you uh, kick off the analysis of this one. What do you think going into this game? What, you said the over-under was 46-and-a-half? 46-and-a-half. All right, I th- I'm, I think I'm going to start there and just initially come out and say I like the under. I guess I know it's it's early in the year, so 
you know, maybe people are rusty and plays go, there's big plays and stuff like that, but um, these are two pretty good defenses, and they say defense wins championships, so if these two teams are going for that, then I'd like to see a defensive display out of them. So right off the gate, I like the under. Um, What are you thinking in this one? Well, I I mentioned just a moment ago about how it's not really a fair sample to have based things on uh, preseason. Right. But from the preseason, you can take a sample, right? And I think of one game in particular involving the Seahawks, where it was the Bears, and Seattle throttled the Bears. And, you know, maybe that could be that the Bears weren't just playing very well, but with the crowd behind them at Mm -hmm. home, the initial thing that comes to mind is that Seattle is ready to strike again. Interesting. You know, because I look, too, at Pete Carroll. He's kind of the master of getting the team back for a second year. You know, okay. he did that with USC. A back. I was going to say, you're going back to USC. Yeah, USC. Is. So, and, and another thing is, I mentioned this when, when, Ryan, when you and I had our, our kind of kickoff show for this season, you know, Pete Carroll, and he's good at, he's good at motivating in his own special way. And I think the way he's going to motivate is, is saying, okay, last year you were the underdogs and you surprised everybody. So you weren't the favorites. Nobody put anything on you. They think you're worthless. So he's going to kind of use that as a motivating factor to say, we really didn't do it last year. We, yeah, we won the Super Bowl big 43 to eight, but you guys, nobody thinks they think you maybe lucked on that Super Bowl day. So he's going to really have a good motivation for them to, to grind it. I don't think they're going to be prima donnas at all. Seattle. Yeah. That's always an interesting argument. Cause I mean, to me at this point, if you need motivation for week one, then I don't I don't think you should be in the NFL. And on the the other side of the coin, I think Green Bay's coming into this thinking, well, we didn't have Rodgers at the end of last season, and look look how well we played, look how good we are. And I think they're coming out with you know just as much motivation, saying, well, let's get a statement win. Well, this is great. So uh, and before I get the score, because so I've heard from Ryan, he likes Packers to cover six. He likes the under. Yep, I'm gonna so, go Seattle. Oh yeah, so yeah, the, yeah here I'll, I'll throw a score at you here. Let's, okay, let's quit dancing around right, a bit. Yeah, I'll just go, go for it. I love yeah. it. I'm gonna go Seattle 24-20. So you still like the Seahawks to win? Correct. Okay. See now, initially, you know, like Ryan's saying, I would think yes, Green Bay is gonna hang with them, but. I, I am just really on the Seattle bandwagon. and You do I, love them, don't you? <laughs> and it's really because I didn't think that they were going to grow into this team so quickly. I think they, they probably, you know, in a, in, if you were like looking at a stock chart, their growth would have been Super Bowl runners-up and then champions this year. And where's the weakness on that team? Yeah. They, I, it just seems they're so, they're so solid at every position. And people want to talk about, you know, Russell Wilson this and that. The dude just gets the job done. His numbers aren't like, great. He doesn't have the best nice, arm. Though. But guess what? When I think of Russell Scribe, I guess you, you use a cliche and say they have a chip on their shoulder. The entire Seattle team, like Richard Sherman, as you see, he, mm-hmm. he's very vociferous on the microphone versus with Aaron Andrews. Like, yeah, he, he always seems like he has slighted. something to prove. Right, or, and that's yeah. a big deal in competition. And I feel, you know, Marshawn Lynch is is basically, they say beast mode. I mean, he's he a maniac. He's That guy will not stop going right at you and destroy you. So you want that on your team. I'm even feeling slighted. Well, then the rest yeah. of the defense is going to feel slighted because they say, you know, you guys, it's a no-name defense otherwise. And so they have this this chip in the shoulder and they have like an aggressiveness, a meanness to them that they bring. And like I said, Pete Carroll is a very good psychological motivator. He's going to tell them, nobody thinks you're, people think you're crud. Other than us, other than our 12th man, and that's what they're going to rely on, I think, in this opening game. 
and that's what the crowd feels. Other than where we are now, we need this home field advantage. Mm-hmm. And and you know, you were in New York during the Super Bowl. There were a lot of Seattle fans there wearing number twelve. Number twelve because they're the twelfth. So like I that's hope, the big I hope deal. If you're listening, here. you don't have that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big big deal to be at home, and it's so loud. It's almost it's. It's a one-of-a-kind uh, thing going on in 2014 in NFL because this the the way that you know there's a statistical way to look at how many false starts they have per mm-hmm. game. There's more per game for them, and it's team. early too. That's what I, it's going to just be a little sloppier naturally. So this is a good start to walk the line for Ryan and me for 2014 because You're going not only do I like it. Seattle to cover, All right. I like the over. Good. I'm not <laughs> saying that Seattle's gonna, having fun yeah. in here. Yeah. I'm not saying that Seattle's going to win 45 to 10 or anything like that, or 45 20 or any. I think that it's going to be a, a higher scoring game where Seattle does pull pull away and wins by around two touchdowns. So I'm going to go with a uh, uh, 38. Cars resetting the line here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. So I'm going to go with. Uh, let's go 37-24. I think that's what I'm going to go. So Seattle wins, which we both agree on. That would be a nice way to start the season for them at home, playing possibly the best team on their schedule other than San Fran. Yeah, and with that, I just you know I think back to Baltimore, and we were talking about past champions starting a new season, and it's so easy for a team to feel content and spend the whole summer you know getting fat cat and just enjoying their trophy and say we did what we meant to we we did what right. we, are, we culminated our career. I don't think Seattle's and doing. I don't see that in the personalities of the stars on that team. I mean no. even even the summer, I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but Richard Richard Sherman yeah. started tweeting at uh, who's the guy from the Cardinals, Patterson? Yeah, or, Patrick Peterson or P, yeah whatever Peter Patrickson. <laughs> Go on. And so because he got a bigger contract uh-huh, than Sherman uh-huh, yep. and just unwarranted Sherman starts tweeting at him his numbers versus you know because yeah, they have to say you mad bro that's what I mean and he's and like yeah, here's my ring you yeah. mad bro and so it, yep. they, they do they feel slighted and, and Marshawn Lynch he just he doesn't say anything anyways he didn't show up to yep. Super Bowl media day so yep. you gotta believe he's ready to go yeah, I'm, it, I do. I do like Seattle at home, and you're right. It might get away from Green Bay, but I just think six points is a lot to give a team as good as Green Bay. Yeah. So, all right, that's a good kickoff to the season. They that that matchup is not on accident. So that's a marquee matchup from NBC, bringing it to all of us, and I'm very much looking forward. So, as we look at the games on Sunday, and there's two Monday night, including the Detroit Lions. Uh, we'll talk about that one since we are here in Michigan. Although Ryan and I are Illinois people, but. Uh, Sunday, September 7th, Ryan and I picked four of the games that we think are the best of the day. And it, it's a tough... Like, Wait, I, Are we calling these the best lines or just the best games of I the day? I think the best... I mean, Both. <laughs> the the thing, there's a game that I don't want to talk about, and that's uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore. And it kind of segues into what I was getting at here is that, it, again, to repeat, it's just so difficult always, let alone the first week. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what teams are holding back plays in the preseason. So, like, that Seattle, uh, that uh, Cincinnati-Baltimore game is like a 1.5 spread. I just don't know. I have or, no or who's going to be the Falcons of last year. I mean, yeah, team I, think, I think in the first ever right. show of Walk the Line, I said the Falcons would win the Super Bowl. And they were, they were absolutely I think they were like, yeah, three or four last wins only. year. So yep, and hopefully this per- year goes a little better. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a per- we're doing great segues here today. So let's begin with what we think is one of the best matchups and the best lines. To, you know, as far as predicting, because we look at what we're we look at the matchups and we want to be right. We always say that. So I guess these are the four that we feel that we can predict best. And I I think you're gonna see Ryan and me agree on these four. That's this is a prediction. The, I don't a know prediction yet. I don't, we have not spoken about it, but I'm predicting that we're gonna agree a lot. Here. Carr has a great script written out for the show. Today. Yeah, it's he, very he spent very all detailed. day yes. writing it. So we've studied. <laughs> yes, what we do have on the script is it says the New Orleans Saints. Now this is gonna be so 1 p.m. kickoffs. These 
these first three games that we talk about. 1 p.m. kickoff, uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, minus three, so they're favored by three, going into uh, Ryan's old favorite Atlanta Falcons. So that let let uh, let everybody down. I mean, I'm not a Falcons fan, but they were pretty pathetic last year. The over-under is 51.5, and, and Ryan, I'll let you run on this one. What do you think? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend myself real quick by saying that the Falcons paragraph on this website, the first sentence is, a trendy pick for the 2013 season, comma, <laughs> So exactly. I will I will back myself up there, but um, kind of just sticking to the numbers, the Saints were eleven and five last season. I think Atlanta won what four games, and yes, it's a road game. New Orleans has won four of their last five games in Atlanta, so that I mean it's they're in a dome atmosphere. I think that just allows those guys to be comfortable. It's a division matchup. I'm not going to pick against Drew Brees if it's if he's giving up three points. That's fine. I'll take New Orleans minus three. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about a score here while you talk about well talk I about what you I mean, like. What I can say about Drew Brees is that he was productive when he was in there in the preseason. I mean, he he looks like Drew Brees. You know what I mean? And right. sometimes what I look for because he's a veteran now, and it's been about it's been since the 2010 season when he won the Super Bowl. And you know, you say, wow, that's five seasons ago, but. Um, you know, he still has what it takes. I could just see he's still a quick thinker. He's got a good arm. And, um, you know, New Orleans got to the playoffs. They were 11-5 and five last year, and they lost to Seattle in the, in the playoffs. So hopefully they don't run into them again. They haven't had the best luck against Seattle. But Drew Brees has what it takes. So, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I fully agree with, with Atlanta being... You know, Mike Smith, the coach of the Falcons, he's on the hot seat more than anyone else because of last season. You know, and uh, you know you have Matty Ice. He, he wondering well, Stephen Jackson needs a bounce back year. He was yep. horrendous. Julio Jones was injured and yep. stuff after a while. So. Get, and so was Roddy White. He was out for yeah. a lot. So those they have a lot to prove. But more than New and. In conjunction, I guess you could say, because I really do like New Orleans. They seem like a team that holds together. They over under 51 and a half. I think this game's going to be up and down. Yeah, over. over. Definitely. Because it's just looking. So I'll, I'll name a score first. I think New Orleans is going to win by a touchdown. I think that's See, a fair. See, I was going to say, I'm, I'm surprised the line's not at seven. And Six and a e- half or seven. Even if it was, I, I think I would still take New yeah, Orleans. Yeah, this is, this is one. I said the last game, with, I said 37-24. This one, I'm going to go 34-27, which oh, gets us to 61. Okay. Cool. So I'm going 34-20. I'm going 34-24, so I'm glad you didn't steal my score let me write this down 34 24 for ryan and i got 34 27 yeah i mean that that's why i said i think we're gonna agree on these because it it just makes sense basing it on last year and seeing that new orleans has a team they still pierre thomas he was on the super bowl team they still drew Brees, and you know that's what you build around if you're the saints yeah kind of what i'm getting from you is that it's more about the saints than the falcons in this game you know i don't even if the Fal- the Falcons can bounce back, and I don't think this game means as much for them as a as a loss might seem. So I think the Saints are just a really really good team. Yeah, and it's a conference matchup. It's a it's a it's a matchup that New Orleans is used to playing. I mean, they, that's what I mean. They go there really, every year, yeah. and it's dome atmosphere. So that, and, that's why we picked. I think because there, there's more reliable things for us to to base this on like one game that's not on our list is that the Jets are minus five and a half against the Raiders and, and who knows I have no clue yeah, cause, cause or why would you want to have a clue that means you're David a Jets Carr or a Raiders whatever fan is the, is the starter for the Raiders and then the Jets it, I don't know what's happening in that and the Raiders are going to the East Coast three at time zones over and, and, the, and Jets the Jets were the Jets. so sporadic so last year like, that's an example of a game that I I just won't touch I don't even want to know I, I'll watch and yeah you, so that's why you gotta go for something reliable are you really so. gonna watch that game oh i can't wait for the jets raiders yeah i, was, I can see your excitement on your face okay um 
So next game on our list, and we like this for a similar reason, as you'll hear soon. Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, they they've kind of had a tumultuous offseason. It's not sure exactly where they're who's going to own them. People, Bon Jovi wants to re- record a new album with them in Toronto, and. Um, uh, you know, it's just like they're not, they're not, it's not, things are not going that well, great pop for pop culture Buffalo. and a vocab uh, yeah. lesson all in the same sentence. The thing about <laughs> Buffalo is they, their, their preseason games have been kind of cruddy and it's not like they're going to wow you into anything. So I haven't seen anything from Buffalo that makes you go, wow, they're really killing it. But then you have the Bears at home. So it's Buffalo at Chicago. Chicago's minus six and a half, over under 47 and a half. So in that respect, I'm not sure because I don't know if Buffalo scores three, thirteen, or twenty-three, but I think the Bears can cover this six and a half. It's it's not even that hard of an analysis. It's like I think the Bears can cover because the Bears are used to being at home. You know when when th- that's where they play better ball. The crowd gets behind them, and Cutler should be good. You know Brandon Marshall's a great receiver, and that hookup alone you can build around. And Forte's back, so well, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you when they play better ball. It's the beginning of the year. It seems like every year the Bears <laughs> start off hot. So true. And then guess what? They end eight and eight, nine and seven or seven and nine and they it comes down to the last week of whether or not you know they make the playoffs so I'm with Cryer I'm going to take the Bears here it does crack me up his knowledge of Bill's preseason football because I couldn't even tell you because you take the under in Bill's preseason <laughs> football that's what you do and you go well, look it's so 13, that 16. that made me there laugh a little but yeah the Bears haven't lost a week one game in six years so and they're Great at stat. home yeah so they're at home so just initially I, I do like the Bears to run away. Seven is not enough points in this game. Okay. The Bills are probably going to be bottom feeders again this year in a terrible AFC. Swimming around with the Dolphins and, and the, the Jets. Jets. Yeah, yep. it's their whole division. Uh-huh. So the the Patriots, good job, good luck. I'm sure you'll do fine. So I'm going to take the Bears. I, they're going to want to show off their offense a little. That's a, that's a big part of what they believe in with Jeffrey and Marshall. And I think they even Definitely. got San Antonio yeah, Holmes Jeffrey and this Marshall, year. Very so they're just receivers. itching to just blow a team out and I think they do that. Okay. I'm thinking like 31-10 or something like that. Okay. So you you would Okay, this is good. Okay. I, I I'm with Ryan on this one, but I think it'll be kind of an uglier game where there's more field goals than touchdowns cuz the Bears didn't they didn't look like the best team I've ever seen in the preseason. Soldier I mean, Field's not torn up. There hasn't been a quarter played on it yet. So I, I'm seeing field goals galore for <laughs> Robbie Gold. And field goals for Buffalo, too. So I just have the Bears doubling up. Buffalo, 26-13. Beautiful. So in that respect, it's Sounds an under. Sounds garbage enough a, to you know, me. That would have set, uh, six, oh, excuse, yeah, six field goals and a few touchdowns in there, too. So, I mean, maybe a defensive scoop and score for the Bears. But I, Buffalo didn't surprise me in any way by being better than I thought they would. No. And so that's why the six and a half, that's, that's a good line for a, a team that can should cover at home if you're the Bears. Yeah, and they're going to be running in, I think, three different running backs, I heard. So those guys, I think, will be out of rhythm. It's tough with three running backs yeah. who consistently play. And, yeah, I, I just don't know what the deal is in Buffalo. Nope. All right, so moving on, we got a, another 1 p.m. start. But uh, this one's in the in the Midwest here. It's Kansas City Chiefs. They're hosting the Tennessee Titans. Criers Chiefs. Yep, I'm a Chiefs fan, I got to admit. And last year was tough for me because the Chiefs were good. Then they had a tough schedule to end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then they had a really good showing in the first half of the playoff game at Indianapolis. And then the entire team got injured on consecutive plays. Like once Charles went down and then the backup running back went down, like everybody went down in the game. And it was it was tough. It was tough. But that's the Chiefs, you know, ever since 19, I think 70 when they won <laughs> Super Bowl four, and that's even 
older than my old butt over here. So, but the Chiefs are my team. I like to cheer for them. They're minus four. I expected it to be more. I got to be honest. So Tennessee, they have uh, Jake Locker as a as a starting quarterback, and they have Bishop Sankey. He's a rookie running back from where's, uh, yeah, where's he University from of Washington from okay. the Huskies. And he's, I should he's probably know second, that he's on my fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, Ryan's fantasy <laughs> guy. But Sankey's a second round draft pick, and he's a hoss. I mean, I saw him play last year when when um, Washington beat Illinois in college, and he. He's a he's a good running back. The over under is forty three. I mean that seems pretty high for a first season game. I think these teams are going to feel each other out. But uh, Kansas City winning at home with a lot of field goals from Ryan Suckup. Uh, that's I'm just going to just come straight. I think out I saw today he has a hamstring injury or something like Suckup that. Suckup does. I think so. I think I read that. Well, that that could be that would be tough. I was not at Chiefs practice today. I was. I mean, I just see I a, a very a very low scoring game. I said twenty six thirteen for the Bears before this one. I have uh, let, I'm going to go twenty three seventeen oh. for Kansas City. <laughs> okay, because we're then on they the same cover page the, here. they cover the minus four and it stays under. I, I like the under, but minus four is not bad. And Kansas City sh- really the crowd gets behind them and they go Chiefs yeah. first down. So the, the the crowd gets into it. So I like KC to win. They're great at home. You know, Tough they, to win at Arrowhead, and yeah. yeah, I mean, when you have Jamal Charles on your side, I, th- I think this game does stay under, just because yeah. just simply more clock management. Like you said, both yep. teams are going to be feeling each other out. Locker still, he's still just kind of locker. Yeah, he's locker. He's, he he went to Washington too, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. So he they're was building from, the Huskies in East Huskies East. Yeah, so right when you started talking, I had twenty three sixteen Chiefs in my head, so we're kind of in the same oh, really? same ballpark there. Yeah, I figured we would uh, we would be similar on these. I mean, the one thing about NFL Week One, for the most part, is that it reflects. It looks a lot like preseason because teams just don't have their full their full repertoire down pat yet. So I think lower scores are the are the norm. And uh, you know, unless it's teams like New Orleans and stuff that have just kind of been clicking for a couple of years now. Yeah, I, you know. And I noticed. I mean, this is not on our list, but like, there's Jacksonville Jaguars plus ten at Philadelphia. There's a spread I wouldn't touch because I don't know if Jacksonville is better this year. They have to be. And Philadelphia has been giving up points. Who's the galore. QB down there? Uh, Chad Henney. For, he is still doing it. Yeah. So uh, Blake Bortles will be the. Uh, I didn't know if they decided. Yeah, or... Chad Henney. And so, uh, but you know, that's a game where you know every game in preseason for Philadelphia was like forty-one, thirty-one, and stuff. So, like, that's a game where I would expect more points than not. But, I was going to uh, say, I think you just convinced me of the over there. <laughs> yeah, so that's one there. So, okay, uh, the last Sunday game from Sunday, September 7th, that we're going to talk about is the 49ers, and uh, they're going to Jerry Jones AT&T Dome there in Arlington, Texas, where Dallas plays, so Dallas, Ar- Arlington. It's a 4.25 p.m. start. It's got to be on Fox. You know it's going to be on Fox. So the over-under is 50.5. Oh, man, how bad is the Cowboys' defense that they're setting it at 51 and a half? Yeah, 50 and a half, and, fi- and, and San Francisco has not looked great at all in preseason. In fact, they've been wondering what's been eh, going on. I wouldn't but, put too much stock in that. I, I agree with that. So, yeah, why don't you run away with this, Ryan? We got San Francisco on the road, and they're more than a field goal favorite. So, I mean, the question comes down to how bad is the Cowboys' defense, I think, because is San Francisco going to give up enough points to push this game over? I mean, I don't... I, yeah, I San Francisco is so solid. That's what I mean. I don't, yeah. they, so, I'm looking at the over-under thinking, man, the Cowboys are going to have to just give up tons and tons of points for that to go over 51 and a half, don't you think? Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I'm just... Initially, I'm just looking at that, and it seems high to me, but what do you think? Well, the like I said, everything for me starts out with how the the questions to Colin Kaepernick and uh you know the 49ers cuz what can they do now Dallas Why is he still getting questioned though I don't know D- Dallas well, I mean, was 0 4 in the preseason to prove which that really 
it doesn't really show much. But here are the here are Dallas's four scores from the preseason. They went to San Diego, lost twenty seven seven, played Baltimore thirty seven thirty. They uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, they played Miami and lost twenty five twenty, and then they played Denver and lost twenty seven three in that fourth game. That doesn't matter. So. Dallas hasn't looked good. There's not really a feeling of great confidence. And I said Mike Smith for Atlanta is on the hot seat. Well, Jason Garrett's on the hot seat because he hasn't done much. They missed the playoffs last year when Dallas lost to Philadelphia in the final game of the season. So Dallas just, I think they're trending downward, and they've been trending downward for a while. I don't really have much faith. I'm with you. Sounds like. And I don't have much faith in Romo. So the over-under is a tough call. But before I, I'll let you tell a score first okay. on this one. But I do, I do like San Francisco to cover the four. Yep, I like twenty-seven, seventeen Niners getting a win on the road, week one, and keeping it under, and keeping it under. Yep. See, and my, I'm gonna just go with my gut. We've agreed okay. on everything. I think San Francisco wins. I just can see big plays in this game. Maybe because it's, it's just that's something I'm picturing. It's like it's like Des Bryant going for eighty or something. Yeah, Des yeah. Bryant going for long passes. Uh, Kaepernick scrambling for a long run. Okay, so I'm gonna. I go, hope that would that would make this game. Yeah, worthwhile. I'm gonna go a game. Yeah, and you know when it, when you say this, okay, so 35-31. Well, I want I I do think they're gonna cover. So maybe it's one of those games where they where they pull it out right at the end. Boy, I'm talking myself in circles now. I'm thinking about this. You know what? I'm going to do what I just said. We're going to be different, not because I'm doing it. I literally just talked myself into it. I'm not a, a Ryan Smith uh, opposite day guy. You can admit it. I mean, I'm going to okay. go 35-30. San Francisco wins, goes over, but doesn't cover. I just feel like with, with Dallas, they're going to put points up. They'll get a touchdown late. You know, Maybe it'll be 35-24, and then they'll get a meaningless touchdown late to cover. So it all comes down to that between the two of us. Yep, for <laughs> Sunday. And then, then okay, so and is there anything else you'd like to add about the Sunday games? Because, I mean, it's tough. Johnny Manziel. It is. There's just not much to talk about yet. It's Everything's preseason this and yeah. that. And Cleveland's, I, minus, Cleveland's getting six and a half points as underdogs. So Pittsburgh's minus six and a half at home against Cleveland. And who knows what Pitts? I mean, yeah, they just and, had their two running backs arrested. They had And Roethlisberger... He, he hasn't shown. He's Romo. They've they've just been so stagnant he, over the last. Yeah, he looks kind of more just less elusive, and people have figured out Roethlisberger. And I think he started being elusive like five years ago. Yeah, I mean, just it's not it's not I, Roethlisberger. All respect due. He's got two Super Bowl championships, but I think that his reign of Super Bowl getting is over. So, and it's just that's fine. But six and a half points. I don't know what's going to happen because Cleveland customarily plays Pittsburgh close, even in general, even in good years for. Pittsburgh. It's like a 13-10 Thursday night game. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Hoyer started for Cleveland. It's just, it, I doubt, I highly doubt Manziel gets in there. Well, let's touch on, we are in the state of Michigan. This is not the most compelling game. I'm not trying to criticize this game, but it's not the most compelling matchup of the week. It's uh, one of the two Monday night games, so September 8th. It's the New York Giants going into Ford Field to play the Detroit Lions. Uh, Detroit is minus five and a half. Over-unders 46 and a half. And I'm just going to start out by saying I like the under because Jim Caldwell's the coach. It's the Giants, and they haven't looked great. So I'm just going to say I like the under. The Giants haven't looked great in a couple of years. I so for that reason I like Detroit minus five and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna go uh I'm just gonna come right to it and okay. say Lions twenty seven seventeen. All right, so that puts it at forty four. So we so we both and, like the under. You know, the Lions won one game in the preseason where they oh against like Jacksonville where Bush had an eighty yard run and that was it. And the, the game ended thirteen twelve. And think, you know no, no, last Sorry. year we were just talking about you know, Michigan State didn't have the offense that they obviously do now now that Connor Cook has figured it out. So we were like Michigan State will be happy to win any way they want. I feel that that's 
a good thing for Detroit because they haven't been winning with Schwartz for many years. He got fired, and Caldwell comes in. Yes, he's offensive-minded, but he brings a toughness to a team, and I think that Caldwell is going to just instill this, we need to win with defense first. Because we tried before, you know, look at yourselves in the mirror. You didn't get very far, and that's what I expect, a low-scoring game. So I'm going to say this is one of those that you – Shred the film right afterwards. They get the victory, but I'm going to say yeah, just get uh, to one and you know, it's going to be like a 16-13 game for Detroit. That's what I think. All right, I'll, you just made a lot of Lions fans happy because they don't care how it's done no. either. Just get a win. I mean, the Giants were awful last year. You can't start off the year losing at home to an Eli Manning that just threw interception after interception last yeah, year. Yeah, that's the strange thing about Eli Manning because he did do that. He he it was, was he was throwing awful. interceptions. I don't know. Got to get a win. Either cover or not. If you're a Lions fan, you just need to see Detroit start off with a win at home. Well, I said something earlier today when we were talking just now on the show, and I said, you know, teams can become content with their career after they win a Super Bowl. Well, the Giants now have two Super Bowls, and they're both over the Patriots. And I'm wondering, you know, because Cop- Tom Coughlin's on the hot seat for Detroit, or for uh, the Giants. I don't know if Eli Manning's content, but he has one more Super Bowl than his brother, and <laughs> Coughlin's got two Super Bowls, and they can just – they can just kind of, you know, finish their careers out and open some restaurants in Times Square, two-time champion restaurant. I yeah, mean, they, yeah, they really. So I, I, I think that Eli Manning is such a skilled passer. I'm shocked by all the interceptions and things. And so I, I'm, they made me a fan by beating the Patriots twice. I've never liked the Giants until they beat the Patriots, and and so I want to see them do well. But I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game, and I think that uh, Detroit's going to get out with a vi- uh, with a win, with a victory or a win if you're uh, from Germany. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, man. That sounds sounds like a wrap. That was a good uh, yeah, good week one. It's that good to have the, some NFL that puts, back. That puts the end on NFL week one. We are finally back. It's that was walk the line. So Ryan Smith, I'm Dan Cryer. Man, it's just good. Any any other comments? Just to bask in the fact that we get to watch NFL football. I mean, we got a big weekend coming up. We won't get to watch too much football on Sunday. We will be flying back from Eugene. Yes, Ryan and I will be at Outson Stadium for yep. Michigan State playing so, at Oregon. I am excited for the NFL, but I'm a little more excited for for a trip to Oregon. It's just a good time of year. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches. Of <laughs> really, yeah, we're so, so lucky. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you very much for listening, and hope everybody has a good week, and enjoy the games, and we will talk to you later. Peace. <laughs> cool. Uh, here's what I want to do.